Only the Lonely. We're slightly tardy in getting to our latest monthly podcast to you. It was recorded before Airdrie's game with Dumbarton, but the edit and upload weren't completed until after the 3-1 victory. Part 1 is a bit of an extended rant from me. Not about the football, more about whether or not we're ever going to be able to capitalise on the assets we do have left to build a sustainable and successful football club. In part 2, Gordon Thompson and John O'Brien take me through their proposed changes that Airdrie could make to improve form on the pitch. There's only been one game so far, but early indications are that Gordon might just have hit on something. Hopefully, we're still seeing that when we speak to you next month. Okay, welcome to Only the Lonely. It's time for a monthly catch-up again. Uh, we're doing this remotely just because it doesn't suit to get together and record. Uh, so that means that hopefully the quality will be fine. But I'm delighted to be joined on the line by uh, John O'Brien. John, welcome back. Thank you very much, Colin. Uh, and also uh, a man who we've missed this year because we've been recording before matches, at which point he's putting their races through their paces, uh, Gordon Thompson. And to, to set to set the scene, we're, we're recording on the night of Halloween, so Airdrie have just had a very good away win against Forfar, uh, and we've got Dumbarton at home coming up on Saturday. Um, I have not been in a good place as a football supporter, and no one in the house really wants to listen because nobody likes football, so I need to vent my spleen. So uh, I'm afraid I've got, uh, I'm going to put on John and, and Gordon to uh, kind of listen and hopefully lift me out of the, the gloom that I'm in. Uh, and we've, I've actually had a bit of time since the Elgin game, which is really what depressed me. Uh, and hopefully this isn't too ranty and I've just had a, a chance to pull my, my thoughts together a bit more. But there's a few key themes. So I think football, we all need to recognise as, as an industry, a game that's driven by emotion. Uh, we all put far too much time and money into it compared to what we do everything else in life. Uh, and it's weird that it can affect our mood as much as it does and that's not just the Airdrie I'd say that's all clubs and you can look at what's happening with Granite Jacket down at Arsenal you can look at what's happening with Hearts fans just now uh, it's a whole thing that's just driven by a disproportionate amount of people's time and interest on it uh, I was really down after the Elgin game but I've, I've, I've settled a bit now I've been trying to think about what's going on at Airdrie through the lens of look, we're probably all just getting things out of proportion uh, that atmosphere at the minute amongst the fans is pretty toxic uh, and that's amongst what's left of the support when you look at the home attendances I think there's probably a number of things to that the home form has been well the football's been poor and particularly the home form's been poor so if you're someone that only makes it along to a handful of home games such as me uh, you're not being entertained but we'll come on to speak about that and you guys see a lot more games than me and, and Gordon you've actually got a different way to look look at that which is coming with solutions rather than problems but we've got the fallout between the trust and the club and it feels like it just hasn't really been resolved there's an uneasy truce going on um, but the trust seem to be out of the picture in what happens on match days uh, some of the former members are staying away and I don't know that the, the club recognises that as we've got the fallout just now, there's kind of still quite a lot of goodwill wrapped up there. Uh, and is that something that we need to resolve? Um, I'd give the example of Colin Morrison, who's been on this podcast before and who we all know. Uh, this time last season, he'd have been giving up his time to sell merchandise when in the run-up to Christmas, probably bringing a bit of money uh, into the club. And he's now a stay-away fan. Uh, and getting back to the point of his football just being disproportionate, a really stupid story, uh, which I remember from, from Colin, was that his son Evan uh, 
was looking at the new Barcelona kit and was desperate to buy it and he said to him right well you either have that full kit or you can get Airdrie's uh, and he said oh no dad put it back in the shelf I'll just take Airdrie's and that's a really stupid story on many levels but I think all of us as supporters can can appreciate why Colin felt so proud not on one of his son's achievements at school not on something nice that he'd done but just on the fact that he was choosing Airdrie over Barcelona when the Zengen uh, takeover nearly went through, I, I had a bit of a rant on Facebook. I was reminding myself of what was within that. And I'd come up with, Airdrie wasn't just something that could be bought and sold like a bad penny. Airdrie was Cfax's loyalty, Isabel McDonough's cakes, Stuart Matthews' website, Dougie Allsop's merchandise, Mark Allison's face in your jersey and name on your trainers, John Ballantyne's legacy, Stephen Eaton's DVDs, Danny Lambie's fanzine, Own Coyle's goals, Stevie Gray's genius, John Henderson's knowledge, John Dale's generosity, Willie Marshall's trust, Robert Dale and Steve, John Stephen's photos, and Johnny Martin's Willie. You can add to that, there's Kit Aid, there's Aaron's Garden, there's the Sense Room, there's uh, Mark's cancer campaign, there's Sammy Shelter, there was a little club doing a lot of big things and I would add into that which wasn't on the rant at the time there's Aces training and there was the football fans in training as well and I'm just trying to get down to why is it that I still care about Adrian so much and a number of those things are still happening and other good things are, are happening through uh, the community trust I see that it was the, the um, football team at the anti-suicide tournament or the, the suicide awareness tournament I should call it rather um, but some of those things don't happen anymore uh, and although I think it's up to the owners to decide how they want to run the club th- whether we're successful on the pitch or whether we aren't Adrian could mean a lot more to a lot more people if we can find a way to do these add-on pieces and we can be a, a true community club uh, I'd go further than that I think the club at the moment needs to be conscious of how it's seen uh, by the fans after the Elgin game we had a club announcement about bringing in a family area now I'll start by saying I am completely in favour of that I miss loads of games at the moment because I've got a three year old and I've got a one year old Uh, I really hope there's a day when Ailey and Alistair want to come along to games with me uh, and we can spend time as a family there my wife doesn't have any time for football uh, and if they come home asking what a sweary sweary word is uh, it's probably going to get me in a lot of trouble and might stop me being able to take them along so I actually I'm all in favour of of what they were driving at. I don't think it's an issue in the main because I sit in the middle of the main stand and I rarely hear anything. If somebody was to be going into a tirade full of the C word and the F word, I would probably just say, Mr. Portis, doing that's appropriate language. Uh, but all joking aside, I think if it was possible for me to ask a steward if they could deal with somebody who was being completely out of order, then that would be great and would, uh, would let me deal with the issue without me having to move and it could probably be done quite a soft way I don't actually think there's anything wrong with the odd sweary word at the moment uh, one of the most popular things on Facebook is Lewis Capaldi's videos they're absolutely full of, of swear words I think society's changing and, and, and to kind of think that you're going to get rid of all bad language is going to be very difficult I think players getting targeted by vile abuse isn't on and the club should do what it can to stamp that out and help players especially when it's youngsters like we've got social media is a new element to that which players wouldn't have had in the 90s wouldn't even had in the early 2000s uh, I watched the Amazon documentary on Leeds United recently and you see the abuse that they get again we've already mentioned Granite Jacket leaving the, the pitch just in about tears 
if you're a Leeds player, you're an Arsenal player, you're getting a, a life-changing amount of money and maybe comes with the territory, whereas our guys uh, are on buttons and, and, and really uh, it's not on for them to get, a, a, get abused to that uh, fact. But people are emotional and that includes the officials at the club. Uh, we'd had the altercation with Weatherburn's family, which I didn't see. There was also uh, Stuart Miller had an exchange with a fan, which was only about 10 feet away from. That was all actually fairly civil and uh, pretty understandable given the emotions that each of them was experiencing but the statement that followed the Elgin game I think was at best naive and actually could be seen as pretty petty uh, I don't understand why something like that couldn't be run past a trusted fan uh, just to get their view on it and I think any of us if we didn't given that statement could have told them it was going to go down like a, a cup of cold sick uh, I think back to the club ceasing to sell the merchandise after the fallout with the trust and I do wonder whether we just need to think more about how things are seen because there aren't many offers left and anything that turns people away is ultimately detrimental to us all. Uh, the trust could probably help with communication. Uh, Brian Smith had posted about they'd looked at a supporters liaison officer before. If that was the case maybe we could find a much softer way to broach the same subject, get to the same position but without upsetting everyone and having weeks and weeks of uh, people making jokes about oh if I swear am I going to get kicked out of the football there also seem to have been from what I can see in social media a number of lawyers letters sent to fans for comments made in social media again would a club liaison officer not be a way that we could maybe sort that in a much more soft and proportionate way I understand emotions are high on either side if people are posting stuff that isn't true if people want to respond to that but it's just about how do you get what the actual truth is across to fans in a way where you don't have to tell them absolutely everything, but in a way that you can nip things in the bud and maybe just persuade the people that said something you disagree with uh, in a way which will make them sit up and think, oh, okay, I can see where they're coming from there uh, and maybe tell their friends rather than uh, in such a, a heavy-handed way. Uh, I had a miserable time at the Elkin game. The match experience was brutal. Uh, it was a bad game, which that can happen, I get that. The PA system was turned up so high, I ended up going home with a screaming headache. Uh, outside of the football, I only had the Diamond Dancers uh, on a non-footballing thing. All in the stadium was less than a tenth full, which we can't do much about, but not one song from the home end. The home, the, the, the match day experience isn't great. Adrian aren't alone in that. In fact, they're probably some way ahead of what other clubs at this level have. There's ACs training, Gordon, which you take. There's the sensory room. There's a corporate experience, which is obviously being built on using Ross Owens' contacts and also a network of ex-players, which I think is a great thing and a positive. I think maybe we could look to focus on what could be done at half-times, pre-match, post-match for uh, the non-corporate fans, so that on the days where the football fails to fire, it's not a, a total write-off um, we could be a bit more novel in our approach I've always thought that uh, Airdrie are at their best when we're doing things that are a bit bonkers I've mentioned before on this podcast I don't know if anyone ever have watched it on that say so but there's a, a movie on Netflix uh, called The Battered Bastards of Baseball uh, it's a really good movie about a baseball team which was set up and captured the hearts of a city doing things that were a bit off the ball uh, but it doesn't need to be big things. A, a half-time running from the halfway line competition for local primary schools just to happen at Broomfield. It's something that football fans enjoy seeing. You can cheer on your old school if you're from the area. Uh, that's great. Could we have ladies team versus international Swally under 50s playing a seven-a-side game at half-time? We even had the half-time bingo a few seasons ago, which I, I found to be entertaining. They're all things that 
that are add-ons you will never replace what's the most important thing which is how the team's doing um, but anything that we can do that adds to the day out I think would be good uh, having X players at a game maybe four times a season might help we did a thing with Willie Maguire once uh, which I, I really enjoyed the bar was full um, Paul Harvey said he would do something like that we've got another home game against Raith Rovers we could relive the, the great quarterfinal and show the footage and just speak to Paul about his time at both clubs the best people to take hold of and organise that are probably the trust uh, and it's the kind of thing that Bobby Watson as well when, when he was at the club he was really enthusiastic he could get people going uh, ideally I think to make the most of the area that's been uh well, sorry, ideally, what I think we could also do with a safe standing, uh, the area that's now been designated as the, the, the family area, I think if you took the front half of the stand, so from the kind of walkway down and put in a small uh, safe standing section would give you the chance to have perhaps a bit where you did get a bit of singing, you could give uh, the away fans one side of the tunnel, the home fans the other side, and just try and create a... a a bit of something different, something that I think football fans are, are crying out for. Now, I get that would cost money, uh, but again, although the relationship with the trust broken down, if it could be mediated and repaired, isn't saying to them, like, okay, here's a project, even if we've got clashes and we can't work together and everything, we would like to raise X thousand pounds to put in a small uh, trial safe seating area you would have the opportunity to turn that back to all, uh, sorry, safe standing you would have the opportunity to turn that back into seats if you had a really big game or a, a, a Tunnock's Caramel Wafer Cup final, you could do what you want with it it could start with room for 100 people if it's a success you could build it out and I mean I'm an old fart I don't like the kind of ultras TIFO culture but there's some young lads we have who definitely do like that and if if, if that's the way that football is going you see it with Motherwell, you see it with Celtic then maybe we need to embrace that otherwise we're down to this dwindling list of what what we left with, four or five hundred off is at every home game uh, not coming up with anything new I just really worry about the future so I've not I've not been altogether positive about supporting Airdrie since the last couple of games that I've been at but uh, and that's, that's my spleen vented uh, I just wondered what your take on it all is. John, you can go first. As, as it's Halloween, I had got to get this done. And I would just like to say that there was definitely the sun shining on uh, Station Park on Saturday, although Jack Nicholson wasn't there, sadly. And her performance was one of the most adventurous that there's been this season. And it's strange that it came on the back of two indifferent, awful, terrible, you fill in your own adjectives, uh, the two performances at home. I know people have come to the conclusion that is it a home, is it a away game, but that you could counter that by saying that we played well against Clyde at home, we played well against uh, Hamilton, in fact, my memory serves me right, in defeat, we actually got applauded off the park, I think, that be right? Did the team get applauded off against Hamilton despite losing? We did actually, yeah. The Hamilton game wasn't necessary. Yeah, we lost 3-2, but it was a do-or-die game where we had to win to progress. And in the last couple of minutes, you know, he threw central defenders up front and left us exposed to the counter-attack. If, if that was a game where he, we wanted a draw, we would have got a draw. Um, 
So it was a, there was a kind of there was a kind of although it was a defeat, it wasn't really like a defeat that one uh-huh. in a way. But um, you know, if you look at it from that point of view, but obviously what's happened since then has obviously amplified that and yeah, yeah. statistic <laughs> was a defeat, you know, but it, it was a great performance. So it didn't necessarily have to be that you know everything at home has been rotten. There has been some good flashes now and again. And, and, oh, I, I, and I can accept the football being being poor from time to time. We're not going to get it right every year. We've changed model yet again. It'll take a bit of bedding in time. Yes, I'm, I, my mood was foul after the Elgin game because of uh, because of the football. But I'm just more sensing that there is a real I don't know discontent. Just people being turned off by by Airdrie, and it's not all. Uh, it's not all people who have been involved and had fallouts. It's I'm seeing like uh, my mate Stuart Muirhead's dad, who's gone along for years and sat in front of me, just saying, "Nah, it's, it's not there anymore." Uh, and I'm I'm just wondering whether do we need to think? Do we need to think more broadly about the the first team we can come on to, and hopefully they will sort themselves out, and and that's the that's going to drive people back. But when the football is bad. Are there other things that we can do as a support or try and start that will just take away from the misery of it when it's not right? I think there is things I think more than uh, it's a nice thing you know the, the, the girls dancing at half time but I, I mean there's variations that could take uh, place uh, a lot you see the joy in the face of many people when they have these uh, celebrity pro celebrity matches and some of the, the fans get to, to play on the park so you've got the likes of yeah it's plagiarism but Crossbar challenge, who knows what kind of prize that could be put up. Uh, crossbar challenge. Uh, back in the seventies, there was the you used to have two teams and they would play their way to the final game when they would have penalty shootouts. You know, which brought a degree of interest to some people because they might know some of the other schools were playing, etc. They might have an interest in looking at somebody local, things like that. I do think we need. Uh, the one pleasing feature for me, believe it or not, is is uh, the fact that uh, unlike many other clubs, the players actually uh, warm up and and do the right thing at half time. Whereas I, I used to be annoyed by players who just kind of uh, put the ball from one deposit the pass to the other, you know, as if they, no one actually throws it. So that's a measure of the professionalism. But I mean, you, you you probably left us with no time with, with all the areas of coverage. Yeah, a lot of it's really good uh, ideas that you throw in there. The likes of uh, the likes of uh, the standing room that would be fabulous if it was at all possible. I mean, Morton seemed to have managed it through the whole change because they never they never had, uh, converted <coughs> the, the side of their ground in any way, shape, or form to anything else. So I mean, there must be an opportunity. I endorse what you say about everyone Everyone has a common goal. There's no one that I know involved in the trust etc. who wants to see the club not do well. I, I think that's a fallacy for people. They, they just become as agitated as every, every uh, fully fledged supporters. People have spent so much time doing things pro the club I doubt very much if anyone uh, wants to say oh I hope this doesn't work I don't think that's the case at all uh, I, I do wish or hope that there was something that would uh, see see us all united 
if it's the we were once known back in 2002 Air the United we could I ain't John enough for that <laughs> <laughs> If things were said and everyone says the wrong thing at the wrong time, I'm guilty of it myself. So uh, I, I just think that uh, uh, grown pe- people should find a way forward and, and get together. But I mean, it's, I haven't a thought someday, you know, uh, there's some people there that, that could probably manage that process. I'm not. I don't think I'm the. You know, I, I don't even know what where the John, solution lies. But that is there must be a good. I'm not. I'm not going to talk about the relationship with the, the supporters trust in the club. Um, I've. I'm involved, obviously, a wee bit now with the community trust and try to do things. There are a lot of that just want to do good things for the club, um, in general, and. Um, that that situation needs to repair itself, and there's there, there's loads of things went on in the past, and sometimes time heals wounds. But Colin, you had loads of great ideas, and I've never seen the club so far say no to anything. Whereas uh, so far, and obviously there are still loads of things going on. You said that on match days, you know the AC's training still going on. We're getting players for the club. You know the club the club give that 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 pitch. There's players coming in for the club every week. Um, they, they they're still you know, they still get the, the, the corporate box for nothing out of the, the sensory room. The Diamond's Den's always open for the kids. Um, there's, there's three, there's three season tickets as well, Gordon, and I would say actually for... Tickets, you know, there's more stuff than I can imagine. I know I've been working the stuff I organised, the, the the thing at Suicide Prevention. You know, we've, we've, we've put Suicide Prevention's logo in the back of the strips this year. Again, without any money coming in for it, because um, we wanted to foster a relationship. There's, there's loads of things going on in the background there, and, and we've got, you know, there's plans to try and do some really, really good stuff uh, on that front. I've, I've organised wee things. I've asked for, I've asked for things at times. There's different wee groups kind of disadvantaged from whatever else that we want to try and do things for and, and we're doing it we've got money to do some Christmas meals for pensioners which will be getting released shortly maybe, maybe even before this this thing airs um, we're trying to do a lot of stuff and, and the club are actually genuinely um, wanting to do it things, things turn sour I don't even want to go into that I don't know the whole inside out with everything um, that went on in that front but hopefully time repairs that I've made my feelings quite clear and you know, I, I I tried to fight as much as I could, um, you know, for certain things to kind of keep going the way they were going, and hopefully they will repair their things. Obviously, there are things that are still going on in the meantime, in between. So just let's see how that kind of works out. But I would suggest that anybody that's got good ideas, Colin, and what you were saying has actually come to us um, and put it forward, because we we all genuinely like to see the club do well. The club themselves have have obviously um, you know kind of restructured in the last year. And the ambitions to go forward, it's not to go backward, it's not to stay the way we are. The ambitions to try and get back to, you know, where where we as a fan base actually feel that we belong. The club needs to be the, the club needs to go up the way. You get better revenues when you play in the championship. And that's that's including you know, primarily, first and foremost, the actual grant that you get from the league. You get in the middle of the championship you get quarter of a million as compared to seventy grand in League One. Teams like Hamilton and Livingston who you know, we would argue are, are are they actually bigger than us? Both of them have been in League One, you know, or, or, or whatever league you know it was called at the time not that long ago. 
um, but they're not playing in the Premier League a million pound a year for, for doing that there, there's obvious reasons why the club wants to go forward we restructure to try and do that the only thing that's not really worked out so far this year on that front is the results there's not been much consistency but if you look back you know, over the years it took it took four years for Alec McDonald's team to really start to click Gordon McQueen started sowing the seeds for that in 1988 when he signed guys like Nipper Sammy Cohen Evan Balfour and whatever else and then Jimmy Bone came in he'd another two years bringing in guys like Owen Coyle and, and whatever that, 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 that kind of formed the basis of the team that McDonald McDonald brought in remember kids Sanderson Honor that year but it was pretty much the rest of the same team Kenny Black came in a couple of months after the start of the season you know which was a kind of cherry on top that lifted us to that level it could get to cup finals semi-finals and whatever else it took a while to go we've tried to do everything this mm-hmm. summer We've already acknowledged, you know, John was saying there about three or four times the performance levels actually looked extremely good. And then we've obviously had the dull games, you know, like the Elgins and Montrose and whatever else where we didn't do too well. So we're obviously still at a point where we're looking for, for some consistency, but everything else that the club's actually geared towards doing better. You know, there's been a clear out. Um, they've done what they, they felt they needed to do, but you know, it's, it's taking a wee bit longer than we'd all hope for it to bed in, but one of the reasons that we hate that ground so much at the moment isn't just because of this season. This season's obviously been hard work, but we've had 15 years of absolute torture. The only, the only reason that we don't feel any nostalgia in that place is because we've never had anything, you know, for so long. Every time we've had a, every time we've had a big game, I remember a couple of years ago we played Albion Rovers at New Year, we had 12,000, sorry, 1,200 fans in the place, and we ended up getting beat with Rovers at home in New Year's Day or whatever it was. You know, every time that we have something good happens at that, we get again potentially something good the turning point, and we've blown it. So we've been feeling that way for a long, long time. My only argument at the minute is that you know, let, let's be a wee bit more patient. You know, there's been big changes. We're still bedding in a wee bit. So hopefully, it clicks in and living. I'd rather we were doing a wee bit better, obviously. But is this the right time to panic in you know October? You know, Sandy Stewart's team that won promotion in 2004 were actually struggling the last week in January. We get beat at home to our broth. Everybody was calling for anti-go at the time. Suddenly we went on a 14 or 15 game unbeaten run when Coyle and Bill just went up together and played and we played some of the best football we've seen in years. The, the difference is that uh, you, you find yourself in a situation whereby uh, it's much different from many years. There is no patience. You're right. Uh, uh, so I think what fans look for, if results aren't coming, the effort should be there. Now, Ian, Ian had said that continually in his uh, interviews. You know, the fans are looking for players to uh, provide them with some kind of uh, effort. And I don't know why. It's home. But it's, I mean, every time I go to the stadium now, it reminds me so much of Meadow Bank, which I loathe to go. And now and nowadays, there's so many grounds like that, you know. And I sometimes wonder whether or not, uh, if if the surface is the is the difference, would it make the difference? Uh, should I've even seen people suggest, do you think we should? I mean, East Fife, do you think we should uh, think about uh, cutting the, the lights in? Because Derek, uh, Darren Young's done that. The, the size of the park at East Fife is much narrower than than uh, it was 
way back when we first went there. You know, there was a greater deal of wind. So I, I, I don't. I, I, I just feel for the the, the players that uh, there's a, a strange kind of uh, echo as you go to a, a New Broomfield, Excelsior, or whatever people call the stadium at the present time. You know, I think penny cars at the moment, bro. <laughs> anyway, listen, John. I, I would argue that with that one a wee bit, and and you know, when we talk about the dimensions of the pitch, it's the same for both teams. Now, yes, John, but some you're, teams you're obviously are. John. You're obviously similar vintage to myself, right? You mentioned Derek White for kind of distant team, a couple of year older than me, but I, 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 I kind of came in right at the end of his kind of time. But um, 1976 was my first game. But one of the things about what was what was the big thing about the dimensions of the old Broomfield, John? I couldn't tell you. It was the tightest pitch in the world. <laughs> it was, it was well, so it was narrow, tight and, right? was, and, and we achieved. You're right. So we were used we were used to that pitch as well, John. Right? And uh-huh. you know the dimensions were smaller than everywhere. I didn't give every other team an advantage, right? It's like the pitch is the same. The pitch is the same size for both teams. The surface is the same for both teams. We should be more used to it. So, you know, if you've played football yourself, you, you should know that familiarity breeds familiarity. Um, the more you play in it, the more you should be used to it. It shouldn't be an advantage to our team. We, we're used to playing in front of our crowd, you know, whether, whether people think that's good or bad. I personally, I personally love the fact that I'm an Airtree fan and we are what we are. Um, I, I, you know, it doesn't bother me in the slightest, uh, all the things that people say. So I don't understand why the pitch or the ground should be the issue. It's been the same and, you know, it's the same for both, the same for both teams. Uh, home record, though, is, is through various regimes, it has been pretty awful. So someone posted, I think posted some 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 data that, that, that shows a, a fairly consistent record over the last five years. Obviously, this year's a very small sample of games, and we've only you know we've only had five or six games at home in the league this year. I'm only talking about league games. I'm not. The cups are obviously different. You're playing different quality opposition, and whether whether there's the same desire to go through. I know that the Challenge Cup games we've dropped a player or two now and again. So um, only looking at only looking at league games, you know, it's a very small sample, four or five games or something like that. But one thing one thing that I have noticed big time, John, I don't know if it's something you've noticed, because I know you do the match reports online, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on the website, is I've noticed and done a wee study in the last couple of weeks about the, the formations that we're playing and how we're playing. Now, some of that might be psychology at home, maybe no want to get beat, but I've noticed that when we play with a back three, or a three-man central defence anyway, uh, as opposed to a traditional back four, the records are a hell of a lot worse. We are a when we play with our when we play with a five man back four or you know, three man seven different whatever whatever way you want to describe it, uh our record's actually quite terrible. We've played uh-huh. basically we've played about five and a half games in the league out of the eleven so far. Five and a half games we are back four and five and a half games we are back three and the record with the back five is, is pretty dreadful. We've only won one game with a the away game at that was the away game at Dumbarton. We won one now. Yeah. No, I don't know what that I don't know what that says for when we played with a back five. I could I could rhyme off the games or whatever. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, obviously I'd written it down because I was trying to do some prep, obviously for this. John, when you look at any league table, when you look at any league table, mate, right? Teams that win leagues or get promoted are, are, are conceding a goal or less a game. So we've lost slightly more than 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 you would target, but we're not scoring anywhere near enough. Normally, you would score. 
two goals a game if you want to be a good team like that. And we're mm-hmm. not scoring anywhere near it. But when we play with a back four, we are scoring two goals a game. No, I'm not scoring enough for a back five. So. When I, so when I pick my side, I, I want a back four. Uh, the point I'm making, yeah. uh, I would like to make, is that uh, the thing I do not agree with is I do not fail to see the logic uh, uh, and the wise approach in playing out from the back because all we are doing is getting into trouble. Teams closes down and we don't have the skillful players to build up from the back, play through the middle. So for me, I would just tell the keeper all the time, just launch it up the park every time. I wouldn't want, apart from when we wanted to, you know, if we were up two or three, nothing in a game, hold on to the ball, take your time and play out from the back then because your confidence will start to to de- develop to a greater extent. Too many players are getting caught in possession or don't want to... to well, part of the reason for that, John, part of the reason for that, John, is when we are playing with a back three, there's less forward, or back five, there are less forward players to actually receive, and, and we're, we're, actually, we're almost top-heavy at the back end of the pitch. So when we're playing a wee bit more progressive, then... We're actually we're actually getting the ball and keeping the ball further up the pitch, and doing more with it. And I think that's what we've got to look for going forward. But you're absolutely right. Teams are teams are watching us. I noticed against um, uh, I think it was Montrose that we drew two each way at our ground last week, if I can um, remember rightly. And their goal came from Yeah, Stranraer. Whoever it was that game that we drew two each at the stadium, the goals came from them pressing us hard. At one. If I think. Against Montrose, it was Montrose beat three one. Sorry, in Stranraer before it two two. It was the same up at East Fife. Remember the game where Wedderburn played the Black Mass. Teams are seeing that it's, we uh-huh. obviously need to cut that out big time. I noticed a few other wee things just in, in terms of players that when Curtis Roberts is starting in midfield, apart from the game up at East Fife, we seem to win every time he plays in the middle of the park. We're also winning a lot of games when Dale Carrick's playing as a winger. Um, I just think that we've got so much more going forward when we've got players like that that can do a wee bit more. That um... the, the home fans need to see uh, a performance, you know, that uh, would, would have them up on right. seat. And you're I think that, that right. would... John, sorry, John, I was going to say that you're absolutely right in that that um, that we do need to raise it. The thing that we've got now is we've been through the first quarter. We're actually, you know, two games into the second quarter as well now. We know the rest of the league and we've seen them. We've also seen what works and doesn't work. If guys like me can see a pattern developing, then hopefully so can the manager as well. And I think this is at the point of the, state, the season now where, you know, what Colin said and what you've said earlier on about, you know, people losing interest and whatever else, we can't afford that to keep going now. We really do need to turn the corner and quickly. And, and as you say, you know, put all this stuff into action now. Sorry, let's try and pull that together a bit then. So it's it in our discussions before this. So Gordon, I think you've got some. Let's pull it just expressly. What are the key themes you've noticed in terms of when Airdrie have been winning games this season? So you've mentioned there back back four versus back five and a couple of the players. What what are they? Yeah, well, basically we've played five. We we started a sixth game with a back five, right? Um, but we changed that at half time. So when we're playing with a back four, we've won four, drawn one and lost one. Um, we've scored 12 goals in these six games, if you want, and lost seven. So that 
if you interpolate that over a season, that's actually kind of like almost almost title winning form or certainly finishing way, way up and being in a great chance in the playoffs if you're playing that well. But when we play with a back five, we have been dreadful. Um, we've won one game and drew one. You know, five and a half games, six games with a back five, that's not good enough. Uh, we've only scored three or four goals. We simply do not score enough goals when we play with a back five um, to be anywhere near a good team. In fact, we'd be lucky to avoid the relegation playoffs if we kept playing like that. So I think, for me personally, almost immediately we need to, to look at that. But as I said before, there's certain money is No one likes seeing Miller and Weatherburn playing together in the centre of midfield. Um, we just don't have enough going forward. We're not making enough passes at the midfield. We're not good enough on the ball. Uh, it's forcing us to go long. But because because we've got no one passing the ball in the middle of the park, the defenders are having to try and play long to, to small strikers, which just doesn't work. John's obviously the tactical guy here, you know, and get that well sussed as well when the defenders signal to the bother gets pressed. And, cause he, so it's, it's not a good position to be in. But I've noticed that, you know, guys like Roberts have been in and out of the team, but we seem to be winning all the time that he's playing. Which is really good if you know, you know, maybe we've got a player there. Um, Dale Carrick's another one which kind of comes to uh, Dale's been a bit, a bit shy of goals as a striker. You know, only got two all last season. He has he has kind of scored three or four this year, which is you know a decent start. Hopefully, he keeps it up. Um, but when Dale plays as a winger, he's making a lot of runs. He's taking pressure off of your defence big time. He works his socks off as well. And um, but I've noticed that whenever he starts as a winger, we've won every game. Um, so there, there's there's wee patterns that are developing and emerging from from there's been a lot of chopping and changing way too much. It's really unfortunate the home the home form as well. But when the guys are when the guys are playing, we seem to be doing well. The games that we've lost, the games that we've lost, you know, we we gave the young boy for Hamilton. It might have been too early for him. He, I know I know from what I hear, he's been really good in training. He, he's exceptional in the under twenty one league. Um, you know when he's been playing for Hamilton there and. You know, it, it didn't work. It, you know, obviously we changed the team for Dumbarton. You know, to accommodate him the following week. Uh, you know, and it didn't work against Wraith. That was, uh, and he started the game against Stranraer when we were two 0 down at half time. So, it's that that's been unfortunate. The young goalkeeper Reese came in. I don't know. I don't think he's done an awful lot wrong. Maybe looked a wee bit shaky, and that didn't work. So, there, there's wee things in that as well. So it's it's for me, it's not dead at all. You know, this season, I, I don't think we've got a bad team. I think we've got some fairly decent players in that team. Okay. Guys so, like Tyler McDonald's come in and been exceptional. We know that. Um, we know that um, guys like you know, yeah, Big Four Dice at the back, for example, looks a decent player. Eckersley looks really good. I think the young boy McCann's starting to really impress people as well. The left back, um, Curtis Roberts has obviously looked pretty decent in midfield when he's when he's managed to play. And I don't think anybody's got a problem with the strikers at all. The fans seem to like Callum Gallagher. I thought Callum Smith really impressed. He looks a cracking player. And bearing in mind that he's not even turned twenty, I don't think yet, uh, or maybe just turned twenty. And you know, he looks like a cracking player. I think Ali Roy has had a hard time, but I think there's there is actually a decent player there. And I don't think Ali, you know, when Ali Roy starts as a striker, we win games as well. Albeit there's only been two or three of them. Um, so I don't really think it matters too much on that front whether he plays or not so we've got some really good players and we might be missing a midfielder which for me is where the winter, the winter window comes in that you know we could maybe up it a gear if we can get some real consistency going towards the end of the year you know and, and hopefully I think we've got enough to do it then we can if we can add to the team you know the winter window then well you mentioned a word there consistency and consistency in selection 
I mean, these five have uh, virtually played the same players nearly every game. Yes, and they are joint top of the league now. So, it's one thing Darren Young uh, does regularly is, you know, uh, play the same team. Yeah, we've seen it with them last year, though, John. Remember they won eight games in a row last year? And then they went on a real kind of humdrum spell. So, you know, let's, the, the season 36 games, we, we obviously need to get the bit between our teeth and really go for it. But other teams will kind of come and go a wee bit. Falkirk's been scoring goals um, without really kind of shining. Wraith Rovers look as though they've had a good team. They, they, they might have, I thought they were struggling a bit, but they signed a guy called Anderson who played the back from St. Johnson, who's really gave them a real streetwise kind of look in their defence and they got a couple of really good midfielders so they'll, they'll obviously mm-hmm. be a danger but you know we get our own house in order we can do right in terms of golden rules out of that then Gordon I'm hearing back four statistically is better games where Dale Carrick starts we win and games where Robert starts we seem to perform well in as well right John in uh, in advance of this uh, you thought about uh, well you You've mentioned you like the strength of consistency, uh, and I'd said, okay, what's your what's your starting lineup for Airdrie? So, that would be a test of whether you've come to the same conclusions as Gordon. How are you lining up, and are Roberts and Carrick getting a start in it? Well, it depends on the the, the defensive selection. If Eckersley isn't fit, then you know you, you can't. If you're talking about Saturday, I, I like uh, four four two. I've said I like all. I, I like width, and I think. McCann and McDonald give you width and they can get back to front as well uh, to my mind Gallagher and uh, Smith pick themselves in the centre they, they fed off one another terrifically well and I think that's one of the few times they've actually played together and, and were able to, to have that passing play uh, Robert showed a great engine so he would definitely be in, in the middle in my opinion and the, the fourth uh, is open to question to be quite honest uh, but I would make a choice of uh, Kieran Miller first and foremost um, a back four would probably consist of one of the players I think has suffered because of the the play out from the back is Kerr Kerr's a better player than he showed up but uh, he, he, he has been caught out and found guilty uh, three or four times for for some of the goals because he's been asked to play out and I don't know whether or not you can do that but the back four I would like to have seen the, the back four almost stayed the same for the first half a dozen games of the season and uh, uh, the back four would consist of for me Crichton and Kerr in the middle and uh, Eckersley and who was the first for Dice That's him. What, 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 yes some people might say no place for Jack Mackay. I'm not duly concerned about that, but because Paul Mackay. Paul Mackay. Paul Mackay. Paul Mackay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So that that would be my my lineup if everyone was fit. Yeah. Uh, so it's McDonald, McCannis, and wingers. Wide wide midfielders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I think uh, that that's the way I would play it. I think. Uh, Impact subs. I think Neil Carrick has has been excellent in doing that, and uh, as is uh, Dean Hawkshaw. Roberts has been really good when he's come on as a substitute. But some players and and, and Roy Roy's goal in Saturday will have given him a lot of confidence. I just know what I would love is uh, one of my heroes of the eighties is coming in Saturday. I maybe hope to try and have a word with him at some point in time. Tom Black. He he was. Uh, 
uh, one of the reasons to follow Airdrie in the, in the 1980s and uh, I, I would like to hear his take if, if it, just how we play defensively and how things have changed etc because he played he went on to play at the highest level you know with the commandments and men so I would, I'd be interested to get some feedback from him he make that your whole calling <laughs> he was some player he was a great player man some of the goals he scored. Can you remember? Can you remember the the move? I used to kind of like call it the Gary Owen move or whatever. A bit like you got in rugby. But can you remember the move where he used to um, punt the ball like twenty thirty feet in the air and wait for the offside chap coming out and then run onto it himself? Uh-huh. I've never uh-huh. seen anything like that, you know, before or after. I think I remember a goal coming out at once, but it was it was a joy to behold. Can you remember that one? though? I think I can. What I do remember is that. Uh, uh, the early 80s, uh, while the Premier League demise fell away, you know he was the start of the new bunch, and we had a smashing uh, reserve side that would only win the league. Yeah. Stuart Muller would probably oh. tell you yeah. it was down to his goals, and he did score a lot of mm. goals back then, actually. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, the, I think Colin Walker, who was here recently yeah, as well, right, yeah. it was one of the players. But um, yeah. so I mean, we, we had kind of strength and depth. And, uh, I, I, and that's why I, I probably wonder as to what we're capable of doing this season uh, if there are injuries, you know, Crichton especially. I, I would wonder how the, the defence, because even with Crichton there, we are still very, very, and we lost another poor goal across into the box. We just seem to be hemmed in. I hope very David Hutton is fit for Saturday because he had a blinder of a game. Uh, down at uh, the Barton. So, yeah, uh, well, look on the bright so. side, Crichton's never injured. He's never injured, okay. He's never injured. He went off at the Barton. <laughs> <laughs> <that. laughs> okay. I, I, I can't remember him. I mean, he never missed a game after that as well, but I think we're kind of well covered at the back. I mean, obviously, we've got Kyle McDonald and and Eckersley would maybe be the first choice full backs and Fordyce and, and Crichton in the middle. Fordyce is career-wise he's, he's maybe struggled a bit with injuries but I think that's maybe one of the reasons he's come down to League One for a he, uh-huh. has, had, he has had a terrible time but then we've got we've got Kerr we've got Jack McCann we've got some good young defenders as well there I mean Robbie Leighton I, I would have no hesitation in him coming in at right back or, or, or certainly in midfield as well but um you know, you get young Aaron Rossi's chapping in the door, and he'll be—he's he, desperate for a shot. Uh, I know that. You've got—you know—you get strength and depth in the middle of the park as well. Obviously, you've got—you get the two CDMs. You know, like Weatherburn and, and Miller. You know, who one of them's certainly going to play every week anyway. Uh, you've got Roberts Hawkshaw. Um, you know, others in the centre of the park. Obviously, young boy for Hamilton might come back stronger, you never know. Um so we have got a wee bit of kinda of, we have got a wee bit of, kind of depth there, so yeah. I'm not overly worried. I always worried that I go overboard in victory and low in defeat because yeah. I mean the, the last twice we were at home, you know, and uh, this is our last home game that we got three away, I think it is. Yeah, I mean my, uh, my ambition's always to see he's going long on beating spells. Um, you know, you were obviously talking about these five one there, it must be great for their confidence, but you, you know, we we've never really went, you know, a long period without a defeat or something happening. You know, and that would that would be the thing I'd be looking for. I want to go like six, seven, eight, nine games at least without without getting beat. You know, won at least five or six of them. You know, and 
I think that's what we've all got to kind of hope for going forward, certainly. Well, I, I, I agree, but I, I think what you would see uh, that happening is that there'll be a consistency of selection. Even I'm not saying all 11 must play every single game, but 9 or 10, the same players, because yeah, have, they don't have uh, any other trophies or yeah, involvement with the Scottish Cup, but... I mean, John, that was why I was looking at the start, you know, what actually works. I was starting to, you know, I'm starting to pick up a kind of feeling. It's like, you know what it's like, do any, I don't know if any of you get the same feeling when you, see when you actually see the team written down, you know, like two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, right, and the first tweet comes out with this, the, the line-up. Do you ever look at it and think, oh, that's that's not good? I'm, sometimes. <laughs> you know, then, yeah, sometimes I, I get that because I, I just think, uh, you know, the, the teams now, I said way, way back at the start of the season, I said the best chance we have of winning this league is that it doesn't become a two-horse race. And I was hoping there would be four or five teams involved in it. Yeah. And that's exactly we'll cut, the way it's we'll planning out. We'll, we'll cut each other throats. Now, again, it's not always how you start, it's how you finish. And I think I think that's something that, you know, we're... We're certainly still in there. We've, you know, it's not been perfect and it's not been happy, which which is a really sad thing. Um, you know, when when really it could have or should have been, but you know, we're we have had a lot of change and you know we're we're not out it. I, I think we've got a lot of good players there, and it really is a case of um, you know, starting to kind of pull it together. And everybody can see the same things: consistency, you know, selection. Formation tactics as well. It looks, you know, we don't want that situation where the players look as other strangers. Again, you know, and and um, you know, the, I think consistent results will come with consistent selection. But you know, we've learned a lot this season so far. Maybe the hard way at times, but you know, we're we're still in there fighting. It hasn't killed us. So yeah, let's stay positive then, because we're, we're we're trying to up our mood. Right. Alan Porter isn't with us tonight. I'm taking up his his. Roller's resident Mona. Uh, he uh, one of the criticisms he's made of Murray, and he's been pretty consistent. In fairness uh, is just when you were appointing someone to that position, would you not look for someone who'd won promotion at that league? We now have Colin Cameron in as assistant, and he has got that on his CV. I also understand in defence of Murray that while we've been operating this hybrid system and Gordon you maybe know if this is true or not but where we've had the daytime training sessions with the full time players which is mainly the younger guys it was essentially Ian Murray was having to do everything himself because Fitzpatrick was part time uh, until Crichton moved up from Morton he was part time as well and I, and I worry how easy is it to do a training session all on your own and give the players the key takeaways and everything so hopefully with Crichton and Cameron in beside him uh, that makes life easier for him and he's also got a real good bit of experience in his, uh, his assistant yeah I would say so one of the things I noticed John I don't know if you you were saying on Saturday was uh -huh. that you know previously a lot of us have criticised the dugout formation as much as the team formation normally it's, it's you know it's been Murray standing at the front of the dugout and two guys standing behind him with their arms folded uh -huh. and a lot of us were kind of wondering you know what you know sometimes it looked a bit snarky at times you know didn't always look overly positive uh -huh. or whatever and when Saturday up at Forfer you had Cameron standing there with his clipboard constantly at Murray, and it almost looked as though he was actually inspired. He'd Murray in a wee bit as well. Ian Murray looked a bit more animated than normal. Cameron was out there at him constantly, and, and it looked as though the two of them were actually spurring each other on. But, so I think, personally, it's going to be a good thing. I know I know Cameron slightly from coaching 
uh, you know, coaching days and whatever else that we've both been at, and I know he's a really chirpy kind of, um, you know, I've got to say happy-go-lucky, that's maybe the wrong kind of thing, but he's a chirpy type, he's a proper football guy, and I know that sometimes the dynamics know there, obviously, uh, Mark Fitzpatrick was part-time, so he was there approximately half of the time that the team were there. So the normal dynamic within a club is that the players would the players would confide in the, the assistant manager. They would go to the assistant manager with fears and that he'd be the buffer between the player and the manager. And my big fear is that was that missing a lot of the time at the club, you know, and I just get the funny feeling that the running about the club it's gonna be like a, a it's probably gonna be quite a you know, a happier, more kinda football like environment now now that you've actually got a proper football man in there. You know, you know, being the buffer, you know, so uh, not that Fitzy Rusney, but obviously he wasn't there a lot of the time. So I, I, I get a funny feeling that the behind the scenes it's going to be a wee bit better. It's got to be better for the manager as well, and and obviously having somebody like Cameron that's played at that level there beside them, um, I, I think that's actually going to be a benefit. And I've already noticed at the weekend that there certainly was a lot more action in the dugout in a positive way. I, I just think that will come through to the players as well. They need that. Uh, and certainly having guys that's been there and done it. Cameron was a brilliant player, you know. So that's definitely a positive and I'll be watching for, you know, for was indeed. It was very pleasing to see him, but I think that's because it was nice and narrow and you were almost touching the players as they were running by because, you know, whereas the the, the width of the, 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 you know, the wings uh, and the standing areas is vastly different at the likes of Airdrie. One question I would like to ask you both, uh, and, and I'm a firm believer in it that we should minimum 15 points per quarter. We need to better that, in my opinion, to uh, exceed. Uh, we've only got 14 of last quarter, and so therefore I'm looking for 16 this quarter. What do you think is fair and reasonable? Yeah, I think I think that's good. I mean, I'm I'm looking for I'm looking for a couple of things, John, over that that period. I mean, if you're talking a quarter, you know, nine games over that, I'm looking for for certain trends. I think you know there's certain trends that if you follow them, you're going to the line. Yeah, the, the points is a big one, right? There. Yeah, no, you're right enough though. Right, points, points, points wise, it's got to be at least a minimum of about sixteen or seventeen points this quarter that you're going to want, right? Um, you know, for definite. I mean, that would be what six wins or five wins and three draws or something like that. So I think, I think first and foremost, that's what you got to look for. But the other thing, John, no being a politician, I'm trying to think in kind of bigger terms. Is I want to see that scoring two goals a game and conceding one goal a game or less is is the big thing that's going to tell me that we're a good football team. Um, you know, they're they're the things that I'm looking for. We didn't do that in the first quarter. We weren't anywhere near it. So they're they're these these are all things I'm looking for. The points definitely, but I'm also looking for that that trend that we're starting to score goals because yeah. when we're doing that the results will follow anyway so not conceding as many and scoring more you know so it's obvious but it was a simple game and if we do that over a long period of time results will be better than they've been ones will be better than we've been harmony in the stands will be better than it's been it's quite a simple game really we're still in touch John we're only four points behind um, but uh, I think your, your, your statistic was uh, you said it before the first quarter kicked off? It was bang on. Uh, I think sixteen to maintain that record sounds sensible. People keep keep, keep uh, cutting each other's throats. Will be right in the mix. I mean, you were talking more about how many points would you need to guarantee the playoffs rather than to win the league. Absolutely. So we need to. We need, I think we need to. Uh, I mean, but the thing is, uh, it's, I don't know. I believe 
that the the team that wins the league will do it with one of the lowest totals for a wee while. Yeah, it looks like that, that but, at the moment. Um, after the the the, the, the Elgin game, uh, I'm just still really low. I mean, I, I didn't get the advantage of seeing. It. I've seen this a few times this year. First half against Partick Thistle, I thought we were really good. I was really looking forward to the season. Uh, didn't see the first Clyde game where we were uh, 3-0 up, so I missed that. Didn't see the Hamilton game, but saw the second half at home against Clyde. Again, I thought we were excellent. Uh, so it sounds as if Saturday there, the second half performance was similar to the second half against Clyde. Really come out and uh, put in great performance, swept the floor with them. I think it's still not clicked, is my assessment of it, and whether or not it's as simple as Colin Cameron coming in, putting some energy in, Ian Murray finally settling on the formation. Um, I, I'm just, uh, I just not confident that we're going to be in the, uh, we're going to get 16 points this quarter because I think they still need to, they still need to click. That's fine. Don't know. I mean, that's, uh, uh, we shall wait and see. I mean, Falkirk uh, away. Will be will be difficult, and I mean a lot. Of, I mean, when we lost the first game against Montrose on his own door, because I always like to think that you pick points up when you did in the first quarter. But strangely, we we reversed that. We lost at home to Forfar, beat them away. We lost at home to Montrose, beat them away. You know, so I mean, it's strange. Uh, Dumbarton. They beat, we beat them away so I hope this uh, doesn't continue this reversal I'd see on the Montrose game can you remember when we played Montrose so it was the first time I'd ever seen Airdrie play Montrose was they came to our place last year they beat, they beat us 1-0 uh, they scored early on in the game and then it was just an absolute exercise in shithousery they did everything to waste time yes. to kill the game it was awful to watch but they went away uh-huh. with three points now, uh, the scorer was one of the Campbell brothers uh, you know, uh, related to Dick Ian, nephew. Ian, uh, I think it's the other guy's son. Uh, they they kicked the ball him. into the far corner, and, and we showed no urgency to go and rush and get the ball back down and things like that. We, we were just very, very poor, but they did. Results, I just think, were, were crazy. Uh, some of the sequences you know but watching the from afar so I was I was actually driving I was getting messages pinging in on my watch so so we'd gone 1-0 up against Montrose and I punched there because I thought with the way the mood is this is exactly what we need a good home performance today Uh, and had we been Montrose last year we could have shut up shot at that, at that point instead my watch pinged again twice in the first 30 minutes and that's just a bit <laughs> that, that concerns me is there, a, is there a bit of a soft underbelly still there that we can go ahead at home and, and concede it as quickly as that but look I'm I'm, I'm desperate for Erdi to do well uh, and, and hopefully uh, Cameron's introduction uh, can, can can really help Ian Murray out God what I said about the training was that about right I mean was Ian Murray having to put cones out and Describe the plan and watch everything himself. I'm not sure if he was 100. percent I, I I think he might have been. I, I don't actually know if anybody was actually in there. You know when he was doing his sessions. So you know I know Brian Prunty was was part time or as part time. The goalie coach is part time. You know the guys have got jobs. Uh, Fitzy with a job or was it called uni or whatever it was. So he might well have been in his own a lot of time. So I don't I don't know if it was a great setup. I can't believe you've only so you only ever seen Montrose against Airdrie last year 
So you, you can't remember Dougie Laurie's hat trick back in 1987 or no, Ennis McDonald against us? Oh my god. Eight, two, one. <laughs> yeah. We beat them eight two. When Leicester had the massive win on uh, Friday night, I was thinking back to uh, beating Stranraer 9 1. 8 1, eight one, eight one eight was one. it? And that they, was they, game, four that men. Was they had four men standing yeah. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> They're a shock. Yeah, there was a guy from Burgundy, I think Cody was another one. Um, Stephen Cody, I think it was, uh, amongst others. Yeah, that was um, that was a bit of a bizarre day. That one, and to think that they had four men sent off another one, the game would have been abandoned. I don't, I don't know why they never actually tried that one. But whatever. I was also amongst the hearty bunch of Airdrie fans who walked from Airdrie Falkirk to raise money for uh, well, save the diamonds or whatever it was at that point, and I think we shipped maybe seven. Did we get someone sent off in the first minute that day? Yeah. Jimmy Sanderson sent off early. Yeah, it was 8 0. Yeah, it was 8 0. So. No, it's good. Thanks for bringing up some bad memories there. Uh-huh. Well, good ones as well, but, uh, <laughs> but there you go. Right, anything else that we've not touched on that you think's uh, important on the, the football side? Or, or... No, there's nothing There's nothing that we can say about it. At the end of the day, it's down to the, you know, it's down to the team, the manager, and that. All, all I know from, from my interactions is that the club desperately want to do well and, you know, I, th- I think it'll, personally I think it'll come I'm, I'm trying not to panic to be honest although you know recent results the Elgin game for example you know was br- the Elgin game was brutal I mean I was sitting there with I was sitting there with Brian Gulfillan that used to play for us um, his, his kids academy came up that day we organised a wee day out for them up here and um, you know it was dreadful and you know you can tell with your interactions he, he gets on with some of the coaching staff like Prunts and um, you know it, it was just dreadful there was a resignation that this ain't good and um you know, can totally understand it, you know, but at the same time, we've got to kind of keep a level head. I remember, you know, three months before Evan Balfour's goal up at Kirkcaldy at Stairs Park, we were outside, we were outside the, the changing rooms at, uh, you know, the old pavilion at Kilbowie shouting, Bone must go. And that was like, that was January, you know, 1991, three months before we won promotion and less than 10 months before the League Cup semi at, uh, at you know, at, at Tyne Castle, you know, so, you know, no every no every no every season, even the successful ones where we get promotion or whatever, runs smooth. You know, we wanted most people wanted Sandy Stewart out January twenty third, two thousand and four. And then we went on an unbelievable run with an unbelievably good team, you know, to to, to clinch the title against Morton if you remember overturning a huge deficit. Um you know, football's kinda of funny at times and the fundamentals are in place. Fair enough, there's been a really bad atmosphere, you know, in, in different ways at the club this year. But when you look at the when you look at the you know the bottom line, you know there was there was a big reinvestment in the club. Things are happening now about the stadium. At times you see the floodlights getting put in, you know, renewed to a, a new efficient kind of thing. I know the pitch is going to get dealt with in a couple of you know within a year or two, I think, and then the next season or something like that. Things are happening, you know, and you know we've invested in the team, you know, we've we've brought in this kind of full-time setup uh, or partly full-time setup. The ambition's there. There is some quality there. Everything around about the club looks and feels, you know, better, you know, from that point of view. The ambition's not to stay at this level. You know, it is to try and go up. So fingers crossed that, you know, we might look stupid by the time this, this, this fanzine goes out, you know, if things don't go well on Saturday. But, you know, we've got to try and stay positive. Uh, and uh, and to come back to my point at the start, I, it doesn't always work for you in football, and I'm fine with if this season it doesn't work. You don't need to throw baby out with the bathwater and and restructure the whole thing uh, again. They will learn. It sounds like, like for that coaching example, 
maybe it's not quite been clicking because Ian Murray's trying to do too much coaching too many teams and, and getting a real experienced hand in is going to help him as well and I'm happy with the fact that somebody actually wants to own Airdrie and the main thing I look for is for the club to be in a solid financial footing which I'm, I'm, I'm led to believe is where we are so there is a lot to be positive about it's just uh, there are things that I just scratch my head at, at at times and just wish we could be a bit better no don't we all Let's, I, I'm missing yet again another game on Saturday so fingers crossed we, uh, that I'm uh, I'm getting good messages pinging through on my watch uh, when I'm out, out and about with the kids anything to stop all these poison pen letters on our whatsapp group for Mr Portia yeah <laughs> <laughs> I hate those I told you so messages. I know, but he's got an annoying there. I can't decide if he's got an annoying habit of being right or he's just so pessimistic and it's not gone right for so long that it makes it look like he's always right, but but there you go. Oh you disappeared there. I was I'm waiting on the day when he goes. Thank you very much for your time, gents. I was a, a lot of time out of your Thursday night. So thank you and I'll see you both soon. Cheers, Colin. Bye John. Thanks for listening to the OTL podcast. As a reminder, we're trying to raise funds for Airdrie ladies. We've made £210 so far, but they need £4,500 each year to keep themselves going. If you can, any donations will be much appreciated and you can give them through gofundme.com forward slash Airdrie dash ladies dash fundraising.